Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about our program and the church when you visit walkintruth.com or download our free Living Truth app. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Job chapter 18 and 19 called, I Know My Redeemer Lives. See, there are snares and traps, right? And uh, Dave, uh, who helps us back there with so many things on the soundboard, showed me a picture. I think your wife sent it to you. And it said, you know, if you have problems, if this or that, and it's just a bunch of mirrors on the wall. And here's the truth that, uh, and this is not always, but much of our lives, it's the person we're looking back at. They're looking back at us in the mirror. (laughs) I've met the enemy. There he or she is, right? Smiling back at me. Now, we do have the world and the devil. We know we have enemies, but doesn't it seem like sometimes we watch a person and we're like, oh, it won't be long until they step in that trap. Oh, it won't be long until that net grabs them and they're in that position. You can see patterns, right? His strength is famished, says Bildad of the wicked, and calamity is ready at his side. His skin is devoured by disease. The firstborn of death devours his limbs. Now, who's sitting there? Job. What's one of the problems with Job right now? He is diseased where? In his skin. And Bildad's going, the wicked man is diseased in his skin. Job. See, this is what the friends have, this is how low it's gotten now. There, they subtly and not so subtly try to tell Job that he's a dirty, rotten sinner who needs to repent. He, this wicked man, is torn from the security of his tent, and they march before, they march him before the king of terrors. In the ancient world, the king of terrors was thought to be the prince of the dead, a monarch believed to reign over the subterranean region that housed the souls of the dead and the demons of plague and terror. And the picture is the wicked man's in his tent and all these things have been happening to him and now there's people who go and they grab him out of his tent and they drag him to this king of terrors, this king of death who will lock his soul in the subterranean regions forever. What is Bildad saying? He's saying that's you, Job. There dwells in his tent nothing of his. Uh, You could translate 15 as fire resides in his tent brimstone or sulfur is scattered on his habitation. Now, Job's whole life has gone down. Jesus said, but on the day that Lot went out from Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Listen to this. It will be just the same on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. That's Luke 17, 29 and 30. His roots, the wicked man, are dried below and his branch is cut off. Once the roots are dried below, there's no chance of a springing up of life. Notice he is cut off from above, and that's apparently what Bildad thinks of Job. He's been cut off by God. He's dried up, burned up, it's over. Memory of him perishes from the earth. He has no name abroad. Now, can you imagine being Job? You think you're probably on the verge of death. This is what your friend is telling you. This is what your so-called comforter came over to share with you. Thanks, bro. Appreciate that. The memory of the wicked will be cut off 
no name, etc. This is Proverbs 10, 7. Listen to this. It says, the memory of the righteous is a blessing, but the name of the wicked will rot. Proverbs 10, verse 7. The wicked have no lasting positive influence or memory, but the righteous brethren, they have a lasting memory. In fact, we uh, call this often in the church a legacy. And I know sometimes we're hesitant because a legacy sounds a lot like it's about me. But if you leave a godly legacy to the next generation, your influence, even after you're gone, will still continue to ripple. Think with me. Right now, all over the world, the sermons of a, a country preacher named J. Vernon McGee, long decades after he's gone, are touching lives all over the world in so many different languages. And as J. Vernon McGee was on his deathbed, he told the ministry, play the tapes until the money runs out. Ma, ma dearly, what did you say? My beloved. Play the tapes. Did you hear that? Tapes. Until the money runs out. The money ain't run out. People keep giving to that ministry, to the Bible bus, and people all over the world hearing J. Vernon McGee. One, one time I was, I was in the car with a man who was attending church. I wasn't quite sure where he was spiritually. And I turned on J. Vernon McGee, and I was telling him about Bible preaching and stuff. And I turned on J. Vernon, and he goes, he goes, that's exactly what I'm talking about. I don't want to listen to stuff like this. And it was because J. Vernon had the Southern, you know, way of talking and you need to repent from your sin and all that but look at what God has done think of Adrian Rogers who told his daughter on his deathbed sweetie I'm in a win-win situation if the Lord takes me I'll be with Jesus and if he leaves me here I'm going to do more ministry I'm in a win-win situation on his deathbed the Lord's still using Adrian Rogers Dr. Walter Martin who uh, wrote the book on apologetics that kind of got a whole movement of Christian apologetics going, still being used decades after he's gone. And let me tell you, brethren, when you make an impact on a life and you lead someone to Jesus Christ, your influence in their life, your godly example, the righteous life that you live, the stands that you took for the gospel, the, the courage that you uh, by God's grace, we're able to manifest in a given situation will continue to ripple out in a legacy to generations. In fact, in my own family, this is all by God's grace, the generations are now Christian and it's rippling out more and more and more. And I'm watching it in now another generation coming up uh, in terms of nieces who are now having children and my sons who will eventually uh, have offspring as well, should the Lord tarry. This is the beauty of a godly legacy. Now, the wicked doesn't have that. Imagine if, if it's a wicked person and they live their life just for themselves and they die, they have no godly legacy. And I want you to be thinking about generations beyond your own life, brethren, because this is what the Bible does teach us. The wicked man... He is driven from light 18 into darkness, chased from the inhabited world, almost like Cain, who became a fugitive and a wanderer. 
The wicked man will be away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, 2 Thessalonians 1.9. He, the wicked man, says Bildad, has no offspring or posterity among his people, nor any, what's your Bible say? Survivor, where he sojourned. You think that's a direct shot at Job who lost all 10 of his children? Why would Bildad say something like that? So cutting? How could Job take that any other way than him personally? No survivors. No posterity. Those in the West are appalled at his fate. Those in the East, where Job was big, are seized with horror. Surely such are the dwellings of the wicked. And this is the place of him who does not know God. End of sermon. Thank you, Bildad the Shuhite. I think you got a little shorter after that sermon. Because there was nothing edifying. There was nothing positive. There was, you know, maybe Job will pray with you. Maybe there's something else going on here. No, just more of the attack. More of the subtle, uh, you're wrong, Job. In fact, the end of the sermon, if it applies directly to Job, this is basically what Bildad says of Job. You don't know God. And that's one of the most cutting comments someone can make, especially if you are a lover of God and you know God and someone becomes the judge and jury because of outward circumstances that they read on your life. Oh, you're going through that tragedy? Oh, you have this going on? You must not know God. I would be very careful, brethren, because God knows the ones who know him. Bildad doesn't really have a clue. And that's going to be proven out at the end of the book. What's the point of chapter 18? Well, maybe Bildad is trying to stir Job to repent if we take a positive of this. But Job has to be devastated. Job has been just dragged through another expression of hell in quotes. The signs of his death are all around him like darkness. He felt the picturesque imagery of the terrors of death dragging him out of his tent. This is what Job must be thinking. But remember, the greater Job is Jesus, and this is what he experienced for us. Darkness at the cross, feeling forsaken by the Father, tasting hell, if you will, on the cross now as what he went through. He suffered and he took upon himself the sin of the world and the wrath of God the Father. And Job responded, 19.1, he said, how long? How long will you torment me or grieve me and crush me with words? These 10 times, you, the you is plural, you have insulted me, you are not ashamed to wrong me. How long will you torment or crush me with your words? Do you know how powerful words are, brothers and sisters? Words have the ability to build you up and they also have the ability to absolutely devastate you. Words can edify. There are some neutral things, of course. Where do you want to go to dinner? Sometimes that's neutral. <laughs> what flavor of ice cream do you want? Okay. But words can build up or they can tear down. And Job declares something here that's important by way of application. How do, how do most of your words impact other people? Edifying, non-edifying. Building up, or tearing down. We hear coaches say, you got to tear them down before you can build them up. Right? Tear them down! Well, maybe in some settings that's appropriate to correct, to
to exhort. But if you do a lot of tearing down, I would imagine you're probably not doing as much building up as tearing down. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people and helping listeners like you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You've heard that before, right? Well, we mean it. Thanks to our financial partners, we have added three new radio stations this year. Our prayer is to bless our new listeners the way we have hopefully been a blessing to you. If you're a long-time listener, would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. With words, these ten times, you, the you is plural, you have insulted me, you are not ashamed to wrong me. How long will you torment or crush me with your words? Do you know how powerful words are? Brothers and sisters, words have the ability to build you up and they also have the ability to absolutely devastate you. Words can edify. There are some neutral things, of course. Where do you want to go to dinner? Sometimes that's neutral. (laughs) What flavor of ice cream do you want? Okay, but words can build up or they can tear down. And Job declares something here that's important by way of application. How do most of your words impact other people? Edifying, non-edifying. Building up or tearing down. We hear coaches say, you got to tear them down before you can build them up. Right? Tear them down. Well, maybe in some settings that's appropriate to correct, to exhort. But if you do a lot of tearing down, I would imagine you're probably not doing as much building up as tearing down. There's a lot of people walking around with wounds. You can't see, but they're there. And Job has enough physical problems to begin with. And now his friends. He says, even if I have truly erred, my error lodges with me. Okay, if I did make a mistake, and here the Hebrew has the idea, uh, if I made an unintentional error, if I made an inadvertent blunder, that's mine to carry. But you don't know what's going on. Why are you guessing at what I did? I don't even know what I did. If I don't know what I did, how can you know? Well, we know, right? And Job is saying, look, if I did something inadvertent, remember, Job's not claiming to be sinless or perfect. He was blameless. He walked consistently with God. But he said, okay, if I made a stumble somewhere along the way that I can't remember, who are you? Let me own that. 
If indeed you vaunt yourselves against me, five, and prove my disgrace to me, know then that God has wronged me. Now here's where Job goes wrong. He thinks God's doing it to him. God has certainly allowed it, but the devil's doing it to him and has closed his net around me. Okay, you wanna talk about traps, Bildad? I feel like God has closed his net around me. I feel like he's trapped me in his net and pulled me up into the trees and I have no way out. That's how I feel. Behold, he says, I'm experiencing, you wanna talk about hell? I'll give you a view of hell from the inside, says, Job's behold, says Job. Behold, 19.7, I cry violence, but I get no answer. I shout for help, but there is no justice. Here's the picture of someone kind of being mugged, if you will. Help, help, somebody help. There was a story that came out from New York uh, several years back that a person had been shot in a convenience store, literally shot with a gun, lying on the ground bleeding. And people were walking into the store like a liquor store, stepping over the wounded person. And some were taking photos of him with their phone. And people weren't even calling for 911 or trying to administer aid to this person who was shot. What? That's Job. I, I've been hit. I cry out. Nobody. He has walled up my way. There's an irony here because Job, uh, Satan said of Job, you've put a hedge about him. He said this to God. You won't let me get at him. Now Job says, he's walled up my way. I cannot pass. He's put darkness on my paths. He has stripped my honor from me, removed the crown from my head. Look at all this language. He breaks me down on every side, and I am gone. He has uprooted my hope like a tree. He has kindled his anger against me and considered me as his enemy. His troops come together and build up their way against me and camp around my tent. Why does God consider me a threat? Look at me, Job might say. Do I look like a threat? Does there need to be an army come against me? I want to park here for a second, brothers and sisters, and tell you about a reality. Sometimes in life, God can feel, in quotes, like your enemy. See, we know God is our ultimate hope, but sometimes our feelings, what we're going through, if we're gonna be completely honest, we sometimes have to say something like this, God, I know what the Bible says that you're for me and not against me. I know the Bible says that you, you began a good work and you're gonna complete it, but what are you doing right now? See, we've all felt that way. And Job doesn't know everything that's happening in the heavenlies. He doesn't know what God intended for this book for generations to come. He doesn't know the spiritual warfare. He doesn't know uh, everything about the greater Job that Jesus, the Redeemer, is coming. He has hints of it. And so Job says, this is how I feel. And look, sometimes we just feel this way and we, we can't make sense of it. Look, here we are in 9-11, brothers and sisters, 18 years. That day, if you can remember where you were, did you have some questions? People were wrestling with, they had questions about God. Why would God allow this? What's happening? Well, that happens all around the planet. It's been happening since really the beginning. And the real question for Job and us is where will I look for my answers? 
He says, he's removed my brothers far from me, 13. My acquaintances are completely estranged, estranged from me. It's like everybody doesn't want to admit that they know me. My relatives have failed, and my intimate friends have forgotten me. Nobody even sends me a Christmas card anymore. <laughs> I don't get party invitations. I'm the running joke of the community. Those who live in my house and my maids consider me a stranger. I'm a foreigner in their sight. I call to my servant, but he doesn't answer. I have to implore or beg him with my mouth. Servants that I used to say, okay, I need you to do this. I need you to go over there. Now they're like, eh, whatever. What are you going to do about it, old man? You cut my pay in half because you lost pretty much everything. So who cares what you say anymore? Lost all respect. Maybe this is a good way to think about this, folks. Think about a person who was in a very influential position, who fell and had authority and uh, power over individuals and respect and honor. We could think of a fallen pastor. Can't help but think of that. And we know there's been some major falls. A person who had respect and honor and, you know, people who were uh, happy to serve alongside or for. Can you imagine if that got pulled from you in one hour? Can you imagine? We, we mentioned, we know some of the names right now. If I said the name, you would know the name. Have you ever thought about what's going on with that person right now, tonight? You ever thought about how many regrets they, might, they must have for a moment of weakness or maybe a pattern of habitual sin that got the best of them? You ever, you ever, I found myself thinking about this and thinking, Lord, I need to pray. I need to pray for those people because they're still people and they still belong to you. And even though they fell on their face, it doesn't mean that you don't love them. You've been listening to I Know My Redeemer Lives, part two on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Job chapters 18 and 19. If you missed any part of today's program, you could listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Just so you know, we have free apologetic events coming up and we call them 633. And that's based off Matthew 633. Pastor Michael invites special guests, uh, professionals in their fields, to talk about hard topics that affect the culture. In the past, we've had guest speakers that have talked about the issue of racism, the COVID-19 pandemic, suicide, and how we as Christians can talk about those issues. You can watch those talks and many others on our free Living Truth app. And having the app on your phone or tablet will help because you'll be the first to know the details about our upcoming events. If you live outside California, you'll still be able to be a part of our 633 events because we live stream them. And with the app, you can even participate in our Q&A portion of the event. You can learn more about 633 when you download the Living Truth app. Remember, it's the one with the red logo with the pillars. Or you can visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. There is a beautiful story in the Old Testament of Hosea, and he marries a wife named Gomer. And some of you will get this surprise, 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 <laughs> an old TV show, never mind. Anyway, the story is that Hosea is to marry a woman that will be unfaithful to him. And then he ends up buying her out of the slave market of prostitution. Could be literally from a pimp. 
he purchases her back. And then when she comes home, he says, I bought you. I bought you back. Please, please don't leave. Please don't cheat on me anymore. What a powerful image of what it means to be redeemed, to be bought out of the slave market of sin. This is what we share with our friends and family. And maybe, you know, a little more focus on that great redemption would uh, perk up our friends' ears a little bit more to know how they've been purchased. We owed a debt to God. What was that debt, you might say? Well, we've sinned against him, and sin is pictured as a debt. Jesus pays the debt in full to make us free. (laughs) It's so good. The gospel is so good. And I'm so glad you're listening to Walk in Truth. This is Pastor Michael Lance. Hey, if you'd like to consider partnering with us, you can go to walkintruth.com and give a one-time gift or become a monthly partner. Many more people are doing that. It's so awesome. Hey, if you're new to Walk in Truth, welcome aboard. Don't worry about anything, man. We just want you to be blessed. We want you to listen. Uh, thank you so much for praying for us. We're going through the book of Job. We'll have part three tomorrow on I Know My Redeemer Lives, and we look forward to it. Lord willing, we'll see you right here. God bless you. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast for free, and it helps us do our free apologetic events as well. Please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $5 a month. You can donate at walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Job chapters 18 and 19 called, I Know My Redeemer Lives. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.